0: Welcome, I'm Joanne and this is Drift Off, a soft place for you to land at the end of the day. I'd like to offer you a calming bedtime story tonight, softly told, with a nice, soft, gentle voice that I hope will help you feel nurtured, safe, and at ease so you can drift off. There is no softer pillow than a quiet mind. And a soothing bedtime story will help do just that. It will offer your mind a calming distraction so you can effortlessly ease into restfulness. It really is that simple. So, are you ready for a bedtime story? Well then, get comfy and cozy in your bed and snuggle up tight let me be your guide now. Sweet dreams, my friend, and good night. Tonight's story is called Jessamine by Canadian author Lucy Maud Montgomery, who is well known for her famous series of Anne of Green Gables. This short little story is a bit different than my usual tales, but it's a very gentle read, and I really hope you enjoy it. When you listen to a story, whatever your age, you take a journey into your imagination, to another place in time. You forget about your surroundings, and you become fully immersed into an imaginary world. And with everything happening, who couldn't use that right now? So go ahead and settle in comfortably into your sleep space. And when you're ready, take a deep, comfortable breath. And as you exhale, just letting go allowing your mind to drift to another place in time while following my voice, just focusing on my words and allow yourself to drift as you listen into a deep state of relaxation and as you allow yourself to drift Allow your cares and worries to drift. Feeling calm. Feeling safe. Breathing slowly and deeply. And just drifting. You can just let everything go now. Let everything go as you listen. Just following my voice drifting to another place in time in your imagination, feeling calm, feeling relaxed, sinking down into this wonderful feeling of letting go as we now begin this journey together. When the vegetable man knocked, Jessamine went to the door wearily. She felt quite well acquainted with him. He had been coming all the spring, and his cheery greeting always left a pleasant afterglow behind him. But it was not the vegetable man after all, at least not the right one. This one was considerably younger. He was tall and sunburned with a ruddy smiling face and keen, pleasant blue eyes, and he had a spray of honeysuckle pinned on his coat. Want any garden stuff this morning? Jessamine shook her head. We always get ours from Mr. Bell. This is his day to come. Well, you won't see Mr. Bell for a while. He fell off a loft out at his place yesterday and broke his leg. I'm his nephew, and I'm going to fill his place till he gets round again. Oh, I'm so sorry, for Mr. Bell, I mean. Have you any green peas? Yes, heaps of them. I'll bring them in. Anything else? Not today, said Jessamine, with a wistful glance at the honeysuckle. Mr. Bell Jr. saw her glance at it. In an instant, the honeysuckle was unpinned and handed to her. If you like posies, you're welcome to this. I guess you're fond of flowers, he added, as he noted the flash of delight that passed over her pale face. Yes, indeed, they remind me of home, of the country. Oh, how sweet this is. Your country bred, then? Been in the city long? Since last fall. I was born and brought up in the country. I wish I was back. I can't get over being homesick. This honeysuckle seems to bring it right back. We had honeysuckles around our porch at home. You don't like the city then? Oh, no. I sometimes feel as if I should smother here. I shall never feel at home here, I'm afraid. Where did you live before you came here? Up at Middleton. Middleton. It was an old-fashioned place, but pretty. Our house was covered with vines, and there were trees all about it, and great green fields beyond. But I don't know what makes me tell you this. I forgot I was talking to a stranger. Pretty little woman, Andrew Bell thought to himself as he drove away. She doesn't look happy, though. I suppose she's married some city chap and has to live in town. I guess I don't agree with her. Her eyes had a real hungry look in them over that honeysuckle. She seemed near about crying when she talked of the country. Jessamine felt more like crying than ever when she went back to her work. Her head ached, and she was very tired. The tiny kitchen was hot and stifling. How she longed for the great, roomy kitchen in her old home, with its spotless floors and floods of sunshine streaming in through the maples outside. There was room to live and breathe there, and from the door one looked out over green meadows, under a glorious arch of pure blue sky, away to the purple hills in the distance. Jessamine Stacy had always lived in the country. When her sister died and the old home had to go, Jessamine could only accept the shelter offered by her brother, John Stacy, who did business in the city. Of her stylish sister-in-law, Jessamine was absolutely in awe. At first, Mrs. John was by no means pleased at the necessity of taking a country sister into her family circle. But one day, when the servant girl took a tantrum and left, Mrs. John found it very convenient to have in the house a person who could step into Eliza's place as promptly and efficiently as Jessamine could. Indeed, she found it so convenient that Eliza never had a successor. Jessamine found herself in the position of maid-of-all-work and kitchen drudge for board and clothes. She never complained, but she grew thinner and paler as the winter went by. She had worked as hard on the farm, but it was the close confinement and weary routine that took a toll on her. Mrs. John was demanding and pettish. Her brother John was absorbed in his business worries and had no time to waste on his sister. Now, when the summer had come, her homesickness was almost unbearable. The next day, Mr. Bell came and handed her a big bunch of sweet briar roses. "'Here you are,' he said heartily. "'I took the liberty to bring you these today.' seeing you're so fond of posies. The country roads are pink with them now. Why don't you get your husband to bring you out for a drive someday? You'd be as welcome as a lark at my farm. I will when he comes along, but I haven't seen him yet. Mr. Bell gave a prolonged whistle. Excuse me, I thought you were Mrs. Something or Other for sure. Aren't you mistress here? Oh, no, my brother's wife is the mistress here. I'm only Jessamine. She laughed again. She was holding the roses against her face, and her eyes sparkled over them roguishly. Andrew Bell looked at her admiringly. You're a country rose yourself, miss, and you ought to be blooming out in the fields instead of wilting in here. I wish I was. Thank you so much for the roses, Mr... Mr... Bell. Andrew Bell. That's my name. I live out at Pine Pastures. We're all bells out there. Can't throw a stone without hitting one. Glad you like the roses. After that, he brought Jessamine a bouquet every trip. Sometimes he brought a bunch of field daisies or golden buttercups. Other times a green glory of spicy ferns or a cluster of old-fashioned garden flowers. They keep life in me, Jessamine told him. They were great friends by this time. True, she knew little about him, but she felt instinctively that he was a gentleman and very kind-hearted. One day when he came, Jessamine met him gleefully. No, nothing today. There's no dinner to cook. You don't say. Where are the folks? Gone on an excursion. They won't be back until tonight. They won't? Well, I'll tell you what to do. You get ready, and when I'm through my rounds, we'll go for a drive up the country. Oh, Mr. Bell, but won't it be too much bother for you? Well, I reckon not. You want an excursion as well as other folks, and you shall have it. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, I'll be ready. You don't know how much it means to me. Poor woman, thought Mr. Bell as he drove away. It's downright cruelty, that's what it is, to keep her penned up like that. You might as well coop up a lark in a henhouse and expect it to thrive and sing. I'd like to give that brother of hers a piece of my mind. When he lifted her up to the high seat of his express wagon that afternoon, he said, Now, I want you to do something. Just shut your eyes and don't open them again until I tell you to. Jessamine laughed and obeyed. Finally, she heard him say, Look. Jessamine opened her eyes with a little cry. They were on a remote country road, cool and dim and quiet, in the very heart of the beech woods. Long banners of light fell across the gray boles. Along the roadsides grew sheets of feathery ferns. Above, the sky was gloriously blue. The air was sweet with the wild woodsy smell of the forest. Jessamine lifted and clasped her hands in rapture. Oh, how lovely. Do you know where we're going? said Mr. Bell delightedly. Out to my farm at Pine Pastures. My aunt keeps house for me, and she'll be real glad to see you. You're just going to have a real good time this afternoon. They had a delightful drive to begin with, and presently Mr. Bell turned into a wide lane. This is Cloverside Farm. I'm proud of it, I'll admit. There isn't a finer place in the country. What do you think of it? Oh, it is lovely. It is like home. Look at those great fields. I'd like to go lie down in that clover. Mr. Bell lifted her from the wagon and marched her up a flowery garden path. You shall do it, and everything else you want to. Here, aunt, this is the young lady I spoke of. Make her at home while I tend to the horses. Miss Bell was a pleasant-faced woman with silver hair and kind blue eyes. She took Jessamine's hand in a friendly fashion. Come in, dear. You're welcome as a June rose. When Mr. Bell returned, he found Jessamine standing on the porch with her hands full of honeysuckle and her cheeks pink with excitement. "'I declare you've got roses already,' he exclaimed. "'If they'd only stay now and not bleach out again, "'what would you like to do first? "'Oh, I don't know. "'There are so many things I want to do. "'Those flowers in the garden are calling me, "'and I want to go down to that hollow and pick buttercups.' and I want to stay right here and look at things. Mr. Bell laughed. Come with me to the pasture and see my jersey calves. There's something worth seeing. Come, Aunt. This way, Miss Stacy. He led the way down the lane, the two women following together. Jessamine thought she must be in a pleasant dream. The whole afternoon was a feast of delight to her starved heart. When sunset came, she sat down, tired out but radiant, on the porch steps. Her hat had slipped back, and her hair was curling around her face. Her dark eyes were aglow. The roses still bloomed in her cheeks. Mr. Bell looked at her admiringly. If a man could only see that pretty sight every night, he thought. When the moon rose, Mr. Bell brought his team around and they drove back through the clear night, past the wonderful stillness of the great beech woods and the wide fields. The farmer looked sideways at his companion. The little thing wants to be petted and looked after, he thought. She's just pining away for home and love, and why can't she have it? She's dying by inches in that hole back in town. Jessamine was living over again in fancy, the joys of the afternoon, the ramble in the pasture, the drink of water from the spring under the hillside pines, the bountiful old-fashioned country supper in the vine-shaped dining room, a cup of new milk in the dairy at sunset, and all the glory of the skies and meadows and trees. How could she go back to her cage again? The next week, Mr. Bell Sr. resumed his visits, and the young farmer came no more to the side door of number 49. Jessamine missed him greatly. Mr. Bell Sr. never brought her clover or honeysuckle. But one day, his nephew suddenly reappeared. Jessamine opened the door for him, and her face lighted up. But Mr. Bell saw that she'd been crying. Did you think I had forgotten you, he asked? Not a bit of it. Harvest was on, and I couldn't get clear before. I've come to ask you when you intend to take another drive to Cloverside Farm. What have you been up to? You look as if you'd been working too hard. I... I haven't felt very well. I'm glad you came today, Mr. Bell. Perhaps I shall not see you again. I wanted to say goodbye and thank you for all your kindness. Goodbye? Why? Where are you going? My brother went west a week ago, faltered Jessamine. She could not bring herself to tell the clear-eyed farmer that John Stacy had failed and had been obliged to start for the West without saying goodbye to his creditors. His wife and I are going too, next week. Oh, Jessamine, exclaimed Mr. Bell in despair. Don't go, you mustn't. I want you at Cloverside Farm. I came today on purpose to ask you. I love you, and I'll make you happy if you'll marry me. What do you say, Jessamine? Jessamine, by way of answer, sat down on the nearest chair and began to cry. Oh, don't, said the wooer in distress. I didn't want to make you feel bad. If you don't like the idea, I won't mention it again. Oh, it isn't that. But I... I thought nobody cared what became of me. You are so kind. I'm afraid I'd only be a bother to you. I'll risk that. You shall have a happy home, sweet girl. Will you come to it? Yes. It was very indistinct and faltering, but Mr. Bell heard it and considered it a most eloquent answer. Mrs. John fumed and sulked and chose to consider herself deceived and injured. But Mr. Bell was a resolute man, and a few days later, he came for the last time to number 49 and took his bride away with him. As they drove through the beech woods, he put his arm tenderly around the shy, smiling little woman beside him and said, You'll never be sorry for this, my dear. And she never was. I hope you enjoyed this short little story. Perhaps you are very, very close now to drifting off to sleep. Or maybe you've already drifted off into the land of dreams. But if you're still following my voice, then you can imagine that wonderful feeling of drowsiness beginning to spread all through your body. That pleasant feeling of letting go. And it feels amazing to sink into this wonderful feeling as you continue to drift, sinking deeper and deeper into this wonderful sleep. And as you drift, letting go of everything and just focus on my voice, feeling so good, deeper and deeper, so calm, so relaxed, comfortable, safe, peaceful, and tranquil, enjoying this deep restorative rest as you continue to let go now and drift even deeper, feeling sleepier and sleepier and sleepier. And in a moment, I will count down from 10 all the way to 1. And at the count of 1, you can drift down even deeper, deeper than ever before. Each number I count, helps you let go more and more, feeling sleepier and sleepier. 10, 9, 8, drifting into 7, drifting into 6, drifting into 5, drifting into 4, down to three, down to two, drifting all the way down to one, and into deep, restful sleep.